Recording in progress. Father Lord, in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus, and by your glory and by your grace, we find ourselves here today, Lord, once again, every day in the temple courts, seeking your face, seeking a deeper and greater understanding of you. Father, even as we come closer and closer to you, we become more and more amazed at your glory, at your majesty, and at your strength. We hollow your name and we lift you high. We pray against every weakness and we pray against every dry place. We pray against everything that is dying against us in the spirit, my God, and we look to seek the life which is offered through Christ Jesus. We ask, my God, for your glory. We ask, Father God, for your understanding. We plead the blood of Jesus over our sins. We ask for forgiveness where we have fallen short of the glory. And we ask, my God, that you continue to edify, educate, and, uh, and, and lift us up, my God, maturing us into an ever-increasing glory until the full glory of Christ Jesus by your Son, by your Spirit. I pray, Father God, that you would lead us, my God, and direct and order our steps. We die to our traditions and our religions. We die to our opinions and our beliefs. At every level of glory, my God, we have to revisit ourselves and take serious your word and take serious your spirit and bring low our flesh. Show us the way, O Lord, and help us to stay right-minded. Help us to have the spirit of an ambassador. I pray for deliverance, my God, in this atmosphere right now. There are souls on this line, my God, that are needing a detoxification from the circumstances of their existing life. I pray, Father God, that you touch them right now by your spirit and show them your love and your compassion, Lord. Show them that they're your daughters and sons, Lord, that you are ordering their steps, that you are really directing their path, that it is you at the helm moving and manipulating and structuring and molding like we are clay on a potter's wheel. Father God, may we offer no resistance. May our hearts be full of flesh, Lord, to receive your love by God. We failed you in many ways. We've done so many things that are contrary to your perfect will. Yet you love us. Yet you still pour the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, out on us, my God. And so we are grateful, my God. We are so grateful, my Lord, for what you're doing in our life. And we look to you, Lord, for all of our answers. We look to you. We regret every time we look to the world for answers. We look to you, Father God. Our eyes are pointed upward. Our hearts are soft and ready to receive, my God, from your precious manna, my Lord. Pour out your spirit upon us, my God, and give us direction. Pour out your spirit upon us, my God, and give us understanding. Pour out your spirit on us, my God, and give us strength. I rebuke every cowardice. I rebuke every weakness right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every insecurity, I rebuke it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. In any area in which we feel less than adequate, I plead the blood right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That through the name of Jesus, we might be healed. Through the name of Jesus, we might be lifted up. Give us courage and faith. Faith to survive this moment to the next moment to an ever-increasing faith for an ever-increasing understanding in every moment until the full glory of Christ. We pray, Father God, for all of your saints around the world as well, Lord. Whoever else may be connected, whoever else we are called and assigned to, my God, may it be as you will it, Lord, and as you direct it. And so we pray these things, my Lord. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 Praise God, saints. Praise God. Well, we are in what appears to be a series. I didn't know it was going to be a series. I just told you I come on here and I just allow God to use me. And um, so it does it does appear we're in this sort of every day in the temple course, but we're we're going through this no confidence in the flesh series. No confidence in the flesh. That's a big, big statement. We're going to spend the rest of our life trying to fulfill that. We have on this line evangelists and pastors, and we have people who are just coming to the Lord, and we have some people that are just coming back to the Lord. And you say, how can you minister into all of those situations something relevant for all these people? And the Lord came back and said, at every level of glory, everybody has to face themselves in the same way. When you first came to Christ, you had to face certain things about yourself. 
but there were certain things you were not yet ready to face. And then another level of glory, you had to then revisit your relationship with God. In a form of speaking, you had to recount the cost. The Bible says a person who has no root in themselves cannot survive this walk, and it's because you need root in yourself to keep coming back into the valley of decision. You go from valley of decision to the mountain of a glory to another valley of decision to another mountain of a glory. And so this word is for all of us because we're all disciples and we're all students and we're all learning. And so where it may not apply to you at one level of glory, it may apply at another level of glory. There may be some who are not yet ready to step into the position of being the servant of the Lord, to be back on those streets witnessing and back on those streets seeking and saving the lost. There are some who are at that point where they just need to be able to rest in the spirit of God to get detoxified. They're sort of in an infirmary movement, but we all enter into an infirmary movement, right? At every level that we're getting stretched to another level of the glory, hallelujah. So every new glory, every new place that we go, every new elevation, there's the struggle. Sometimes the struggle can be different and sometimes the struggle can be the same. If we struggle with certain things that are deep rooted in our consciousness, we may have to cyclically go through a process of struggle at each level of glory. And so we have to have deep root in ourselves. This is what I'm talking about. I'm praying right now against every spirit of confusion. I'm praying against every spirit of worry and doubt and inconsistency. I'm praying against every spirit of delusion. There needs to be a process of consistent devotions, a process of consistent connection. I look around the room in the spirit of God and I listen in the spirit and I listen in the spirit even for you in radio and podcast because God has sanctified you into this moment and sanctified you into this season. I'm, I'm looking in the spirit for you in the international world and foreign countries as well who are looking to connect with the ministry. We're praying right now under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we're able to walk with you in this season, but it's going to be a walking in a way that you may never have experienced before, and you're going to have to have deep root in yourself to survive it. You can't have a running spirit. You can't have a runaway spirit. You can't be constantly abandoning the process and expect to get anything. You've got to develop a degree of momentum. And, and for those of us with a little bit more maturity, in what areas are we growing where we're stagnating and we're shifting and we're semi-stuck and we go three steps forward and then two steps back and then three steps forward and then two steps back, but we don't realize that even in doing that, we still ended up two steps more forward. Hallelujah. Learn to embrace the process. Since we're always in process in this life, it would be wise to learn how to rejoice in the process. If you're only going to rejoice at the destination, then you're going to spend no time in rejoicing. And God says, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord always. So you have to rejoice in the process. It's an ever going, ever consistent, ever moving process that you're in. And you're in this process to the full glory of God. And you're going to stay in this process until Jesus returns or until you die. So you've got to learn how to rejoice in the process. Learn how to enjoy the process. Learn how to celebrate the process. And so I just want to encourage each and every one of you that I doubt very seriously you'll get where you need to go if you're going to pop in and pop out and pop in and pop out and pop in and pop out. Though I will tell you, every time you pop in, God's faithful. He's going to pull you forward. But you're going to need to abide for a season in the spirit realm. You're going to need to abide because there's a, a movement going on. I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a testimony, which I think is a powerful testimony. This year it was announced that it would be a year of atonement and expansion. So atonement and expansion. I've got so many ministries now contacting me, talking about they want to affiliate. They want to affiliate. They want to affiliate. And to be quite frank, because, you know, I like to keep things raw and on the table. Raw, but loving and polite and decent. And orderly because sometimes we think raw should be just gruff and hard and loveless and disorderly and indecent but God is raw and he's none of those things he's a God of order and decency so I like to be raw some of those people hitting me up are just con artists trying to swindle money out of me but they're gonna quickly find out we don't have any money to give them so then they'll go away quickly but some are sincere they've contacted the ministry on some level because they sense a movement of God. And God told us this year was going to be a year of a 
atonement and expansion. I think you can see on the call there's already been expansion, you see. And so that's a movement of a prophetic fulfillment right there. And then a, a year of atonement. So yesterday was my daughter's birthday. I was actually able to get her a present. Um, I haven't spoken to my daughter in 10 years. She's 12, okay? And I haven't spoken to her in 10, 11 years, actually. And she's 12. And I was able to meet up with her mom, and I was able to get a gift and a card for her. And so hopefully we're opening up doors there. Atonement, healing, atonement. I will turn the hearts of the mothers back to the daughters, and the daughters back to the mothers, and the hearts of the sons back to the father, and the fathers back to the son, that I might heal the land. Hallelujah. And on the call now, we actually have, and she's been on here for a while, my ex-wife Thais is on this call, and I think she would testify she wanted nothing at all to do with me. She and I were together during the heat of my addiction problem. And I have my son, Thais, on the line as well. He's here, and he's working his way to the Lord and moving back. <laughs> yes, now, Thais is one of my sisters had a birthday yesterday. That's Elizabeth. Yes, she had a birthday. Praise God. I wish I had the smooth path to tell you about my walk in the Lord, but I didn't. I was married four times and have seven kids. Okay, so I'm estranged from a good many of them. So I have a lot of atonement to, to have to take place. I also have my former mother-in-law on the phone, Annie, as well. This powerful, powerful testimonies of the glory of God and this atoning spirit that God is bringing in. See, God is doing this. This is not something that can be done by man. Man can't make this happen. Only God. We thank God for everything. Amen. Praise God. That's right. God is the one that's doing this. And there's a testimony erupting from it. And so you're going to see a powerful movement of God in this year. And so you hear me talking with a little bit more deliberateness. You don't hear me talking as much in circles anymore, trying to corral your hearts and corral your minds to the right alignment in the Spirit of God. Now, and I do believe I was speaking under the influence of the Spirit, so I believe also now we're speaking under the influence of the Spirit. And so I believe that what is taking place here now is God is saying advancement. God is now moving us to another level of glory. God is now moving us. We have on here also Pastor Trina Houston. She's the leader of Greater Grace Ministries there at International Ministry from Georgia. And uh, she's doing the prayer of Jabez, talking about expansion. God, increase our borders. Hallelujah. And she's doing that on Tuesdays. Pastor Trina, if you are able to, I don't know if you're driving or whatever, if you want to put the information about that in the chat. And so there's this amazing movement of God going on, and all of us are at different places in our walk. All of us are in different places of the glory. I still have great hope that my ex, who's the mother of my daughter, will um, also come on this line. And that would be a tremendous accomplishment in God, because she's another one that would want to have nothing to do with me. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but... That's what happens, right, when we operate as emissaries of grace. The Spirit of God brings grace where man cannot. Man tries to bring grace. He's talked this great thing about peace, but it isn't an authentic peace. It's a fabricated peace. But God is here bringing an authentic peace. And so I'm encouraging each and every one of you that are plugging in that try to plug in consistently, try to plug in more frequently, try to connect more readily. Why? Because there's a movement, there's a blessing. God is going to leave a blessing. And if you can't or if it's you don't feel called to, no one's going to judge you, but I'm only encouraging you, this is the season. It is a season where you can come in and get healing. You can come in and get deliverance. You can come in and find atonement. You can come in and expand your borders. Expanding your borders. This is a kingdom movement. Jesus is the king, and we're his dominion, and he sent us to expand the kingdom. So we're part of the kingdom, so growth in us is expansion of the kingdom. And then we become a light unto the world, and so we become a testimony and a witness to others, and that becomes a growth of the kingdom. And everything is about the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all other things get added unto you. And so let's go back to our flagship scriptures. Where this is our standard, right, for this season, no confidence in the flesh. This is our standard, and we're going to read in our verse, and that's John 6, 63. And it's, the Spirit gives life. 
but the flesh counts for nothing. That's John 6, 63a. And our other flagship scripture, which is in Philippians 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice. How about it, saints? Have you been in a rejoicing spirit? If you've not been, there's only two paths. There's the path to God and the path to the devil. So there's only two paths. And God says, during the path of life, I need you to rejoice. When Nadab and Abihu died because they offered foreign fire unto the Lord, and God told Aaron that he was not to allow his hair to become unkempt or to show any signs of mourning because he's in service unto the Lord. I know that this word is hard for many of you, and for every level of glory, right, it can be hard. If you're just coming to the Lord, rejoicing is difficult because you're trying to come into contact with some moral standards. If you're a pastor or a leader and you have to lead sheep, you're struggling with rejoicing because of the struggle you have in the rebellious nature, potentially, of the sheep, or in the struggle in trying to figure out how to help the sheep to move forward. So there's always the potential to struggle in rejoicing. But the example we need is that example of the high priest Aaron when his two sons died because of disobedience to God. God said, while you're in service to me, you are not to mourn. You're not to let your hair become unkempt, nor to you to enter into any state of mourning because you stand before the Lord in the temple. Okay. Now the people can mourn the death of your sons, but you are not to mourn. So finally, my brothers, rejoice. Learn to rejoice. You trying to come in contact with some moral standards of God, rejoice. Because he's already done. You've already won. It's already been established. You're already in victory in heaven. If you are of the Lord and you stay in the Lord, God will sanctify you to glory. This is not a situation where you're of the Lord and you're trying to stay in the Lord and you're confessing Jesus with your mouth and you're believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Christ just kind of drops the ball on you. It doesn't happen. So rejoice. Even in the midst of your physical suffrage, I mourn the fact that I was married twice. I mourn the fact that I produced seven kids over four women. I mourn the fact that I'm estranged from at least almost 50% of them. I mourn over the fact that I did drugs all my life and wasted almost all my life. And here I am now, 60 going on, 61, just really getting in stride in ministry without a lot to testify about it over the years. I literally wasted my life from the year 16 all the way up to 40 something. And then I sputtered and spattered through up to 50. And then between 50 and 60, I ended up with some scandals there too. I mourn all those things in the natural. This is the way I stay away from the devil because I remember how he used to mess with my mind and how he used to manipulate the way I operate so that he could bring me destruction while claiming to be bringing me joy. So though all those things are points of mourning, I put that mourning on the enemy, okay? Yeah, I've suffered with you. You traumatized me. I don't want nothing to do with you, okay? Because you wrecked my life. But I rejoice in the blood of Jesus, and I rejoice in the season that I'm in right now. I rejoice to see my son on the line. I rejoice to see healing between me and my children. I rejoice to see peace coming between me and women who otherwise would have no other reason to want to ever deal with me ever again. I rejoice because of Jesus. And so finally, my brothers rejoice. Are you rejoicing? You say it's hard to rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice is a faith movement. You re faith is the belief in that was, which is not seen like as if it's already been manifest. Faith is the belief in that which has not yet been realized, but you behave like it's already manifested. Rejoicing is a faith movement. We jump over that word. Finally, my brothers rejoice. Yeah, right. Okay, what's next? No, no, stop right there. Rejoice. I don't know how I'm getting my bills paid, but I'm going to rejoice. I don't know how, uh, you know, I'm 61 now. I'm going to be 61 this year. And I looked back and I said, man, in the whole middle of my life has just been almost obliterated. It's been it's like if, you, if it was a, a sheet of paper with, and someone had a gun, it'd be like the bullet holes are all through it. There's a great deal of reason not to rejoice, but I, but Jesus, but the blood, but Christ, 
but the holiness of God. But I'm here and now. I can't change the past, but I can affect the present. And look at what God is doing with my life in the here and now. So I rejoice. Yes, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, it is not a trouble to have to go over these things again and again, because by going over them again and again, it becomes a safeguard for you. Because you have this toxic thing going on in your sinful nature, which is constantly trying to erode your consciousness. This is not a problem only for the young. This is a problem for the seasoned veteran in the Lord. The more seasoned disciple who's been around for decades and decades and decades, still at every level of glory, you need a safeguard to remind you because soon as you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to return to familiar behavior. You must stay laser focused. You must focus on the teachings of the prophets like a light shining in the dark place until a day dawns and a morning star rises in your heart. And that scripture applies at every level of glory. It applied when you gave your life to the Lord. It applied while you're in the Lord. It applied when they ordained you. It applied when you built the church. It applied as you're leading the church. It is going to continue to apply up until the day you die that you must continue to have this ever-increasing dawning of the morning star in your heart at every level of glory as you go from glory to glory so you can never take your eyes off of the teachings of the prophets like a light shining in a dark place. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those who mutilate the flesh, those legalistic ones who think that physical circumcision and physical obedience makes them superior. Because we who worship by the Spirit of God, we who walk by the Spirit and we're chasing, we're God chasers. That's who we are. We're God chasers. We don't sit around waiting for God to do something for us. We don't sit around and wait for God to call us. We're chasing after the Lord. We are actively pursuing him. We are the ones who glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in our flesh. For I, Paul, had great reason, if anyone had any reason, to put confidence in the flesh. For if anyone would think that they should have the right to have confidence in the flesh, I have even more the right, because I was circumcised on the eighth day, and I'm of the people of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, and a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, I was a Pharisee who stunted under Gamaliel. I was a Pharisee of Pharisee, and ahead of all the other Pharisees of my age group and my time. As for zeal, I was persecuting the church, looking to put them to death and drag them back to Jerusalem to be, pros to be prosecuted for heresy, for talking about this person being the Messiah, who the pro who the leaders say is not the Messiah. And as for legalistic righteousness, I obeyed the 635 edicts of the law externally, flawlessly. So if anyone could think of some talent or gift that they could put confidence in, I, Paul, have even greater the reason to put confidence in my talents and ability because my talents and ability are actually written in the word of God. But whatever of those abilities and talents and skills and testimonies and whatever to my resume was to my profit, I now consider it all a loss that I might come to know Jesus. I consider everything about me a loss in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I lost everything. I lost my role as a Pharisee. My title of being a Pharisee was of no significance. My persecuting of the church became my shame. The fact that I was circumcised on the eighth day became no significance because the circumcision of the heart is what's being called for today. Me being of the people of Israel is no significance, but now the kingdom of God is now opened up to the Gentiles. For the crate, for the sake of Jesus, I have lost everything. And I also consider it all rubbish that I might gain Christ. And having been found in him, now not having a righteousness of my own, which emanated from the law, but that which emanates through my faith in a person, the person of Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And faith is the belief in that which is unseen, like as if it's already been seen. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death so that somehow I could obtain to the resurrection of the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained all this. All this I'm telling you I haven't completely obtained. Every now and then I pride myself in being a Pharisee. Have grace on me. Every now and then I pride myself in being in the tribe of Benjamin in a Hebrew of Hebrews. Please forgive me. Every now and then my legalistic righteousness tries to stoke my ego. For the good I desire to do, I can't seem to completely carry out. But this wickedness that I don't desire to do seems to ever be around me. Now, if the good I'm trying to do I can't seem to carry out, but the wickedness I'm not trying to do is the thing that I seem to be carrying out, then it does appear that something is operating within inside me that is not completely within my control. And so I have to tell you that while I'm preaching this great message to you, I have to confess that I have not obtained all of what I've told you. No, I have not been made perfect in these things yet. But I press on to take hold of Christ. I'm a God chaser. Jesus took hold of me, so I press on to take hold of him. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have completed this. Again, I will repeat. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on. I press on. I don't sit around licking my wounds. I don't spend all my time reflecting on my failure. I don't spend all my time lamenting on my lapses in judgment. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which I have been called heavenward in Christ Jesus. And if you're mature, you will view these things in the same way. But if you think differently, God will make it clear to you. Just pray. Right now, live up to what you've already obtained. Now, brothers, join with others in following my example. And take note of those who live in accordance to the pattern we gave you. Prayer, worship, word, fellowship. Prayer, fasting, worship, word, fellowship. Consistent, persistent, enduring. No disappearing for weeks and months, but consistently living the life. Saints, it's like lifting weights. If you go to the gym and you lift a weight two times, something easy, then you just leave. You come back, lift a weight two times, and just leave. You're never going to gain any weights. You're never going to gain any muscle. Okay. If you go there and you work out really, really hard, you did a full workout, you pat yourself on the back, I did a full workout. I did my cardio, I did my weightlifting, I did my, my calisthenics, I did my stretching, I did it. And I didn't cheat on anything. I didn't miscount on purpose. I didn't skip reps. I didn't change the rep count uh, on the fly. And then you leave and you pride yourself in it and don't come back for two weeks. Again, you will not gain any muscle. No, brothers, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now say again with many tears, there are many who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction and their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. And so as you're being transformed from glory to glory to glory, we got to start working diligently to perfect the grace that God bestowed in us. There's a grace that God has bestowed in us. And at every level, that grace becomes more demanding. That's right. Every level, the grace gets more and more demanding. I'm going to read some scriptures to you. We're going to minister on these words for a moment. And we're in the book of Luke, chapter 14. And it says there in the 25th verse, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, 
If anyone would come after me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, I want you to understand something about this verse. When he uses the word hate, since God is love, he doesn't mean he doesn't want you to love your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters, and he doesn't want you to love your life. What he's talking about is in comparison to him, you must hate these things. If you've got to choose between God and your father, it's God. And if you've got to choose between God and your mother, it's God. And if you've got to choose between God and your wife, it's God. And if you have to choose between God and your children, it's God. And if you have to choose between your brother and God, it's God. If you have to choose between your sister and God, it's God. And if you have to choose between your life and God, it's God. And he says, anyone whose heart is not postured for this wisdom cannot be my disciple. Now, when he says cannot be my disciple, that can be that can be, um, uh, you can you can misunderstand that. What I mean is that he's talking in relative terms. Remember, we talked about the three stances, the three stances of sanctification. There's positional, which is you're declared holy through Christ Jesus. You are holy. Christ is our thing, and whatever difference between you and holiness is, is automatically covered in the blood. You're holy. Progressive. You're being made to equal the position. You're being sanctified into holiness. Okay? And then final, when your actual your act your actual condition matches the assigned positional ceremonial condition. Positional glory is ceremonial. Progressive sanctification is the process. And final sanctification is literal. And so when you understand that, when he said cannot be my disciple, he means you cannot make it to the end until your devotion exceeds everything else in your life. Your devotion to Christ must exceed everything else. Now, a lot of us gave our lives to the Lord as a prayer at the altar as a result of a touching moment in a service which jerked some tears out of our eyes, and then we walked up to the altar and we thought it good to give our life to God. But we didn't count the cost. We didn't know about these scriptures. And so what happens is because of this colonial Western Christianity evangelism strategy, a lot of us have come in on what I call cheap grace. But no worries. You came in on cheap grace, but now we're going to find out what your heart posture really is because you will not be able to endure as a disciple until your devotion to Christ exceeds all else. You might say, well, I don't know. I, 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 I have to confess, I'm not there yet. You know, I still have a certain affinity for my children that I don't know that I would be able to choose God over my children. I have a certain affinity for my spouse. I don't know that I will choose God over my spouse. Well, that's what you're learning. Discipleship is about learning. That's what you're learning. He's saying, as you're a student in my school, I know that's a very cheap version of the discipleship, but I'm trying to use it as an analogy. As you're a student, a disciple, you're a student and the teacher is Jesus, and the school is your life on earth. As you're a student in my school, I am teaching you how to make me your exclusive devotion. Positionally, it is so, and finally, it is so, but progressively, I'm making it so. That's why you're running away. You run away because you're not ready to, pound, to pay the price of the cost. But no worries, because God is faithful. Even when you run away, he pulls you back. And some of you might say, well, I'm past that stage. No, you're not. At every level of glory, we tend to duplicate the same behavior. Oop, that's too intense for me. Oop. That's too much. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. That word's too hot. I'm about to burn up in this thing. I got to back away from this. God goes, no worry. My glory has to be overwhelming or it can't be my glory. So you're going to be overwhelmed in my presence. The closer you get to me, the more overwhelmed you're going to be. But guess what? You know why you can't handle I'm talking to you now in the spirit. I'm talking to you in discipleship prophetic. 
You will not be able to understand this unless you listen in the spirit. When you try to draw close to God and then God reveals his glory, you back away because you have ego and pride. See, you want to be in control and you're afraid when you're not in control. And so since you're afraid when you're not in control and you project these negative outcomes, I'm not in control, I'm gonna get in this situation that I can't handle or it's gonna make me extremely uncomfortable. I don't wanna be extremely uncomfortable. I don't wanna be in this situation, so you back away. And God goes, no worries, I'm faithful. We're gonna sit here and I'm gonna break it down into smaller pieces and I'm gonna weigh on you in the spirit until you finally break in this area, gracefully broken. And so as you finally break in that area, now you're able to be at that level of glory with God. And even though it's overwhelming, you're no longer overwhelmed because you're yielded, broken, and contrite in that area. But in areas in which you're not yielded, broken, and contrite, and you're insisting on control, it's going to be hard for you to stay in the presence of the Lord. That's a little bit too hot a fire for you, so you're going to back away. Some people do it overall in all of the church, but all of us do it on some level at whatever level of glory God is bringing us to. Because if God is not overwhelming, it's not God. If your God can fit in your head, your God is not God. Recently, I had a dispute with an atheist, and I told him, you were never a Christian. And he's like, how can you tell me I was never a Christian? Because you don't believe in God. He says, well, I believed in God when I was a Christian, and I did all the Christian things, and I don't believe. I said, you were never a Christian. He got upset. Well, I don't have to answer to you. I know that I was a Christian. And I'm like, and I know you weren't. Nobody who was a Christian, who got the taste of the Holy Spirit, who was born again in the Spirit and got to know God and was enabled to see God and came to God, can now say there is no God. You were never a Christian. You may have practiced Christian behaviors. <laughs> you may have practiced Christian behaviors, but you were never a Christian. Not now denying Christ, denying the existence of God, calling yourself your own God. You see, this positional, progressive, and final is real for the elect. The elect. You say, well, I don't know if I'm an elect. Stay in there. Press in. Press in. Press in. Don't leave. Apostle John said, they were not of us because they didn't remain with us. The fact that they didn't remain with us says that they were never of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us. But the, part, the fact that they departed from us shows that they are not of us. Now, let's not get caught up in adolescency and start thinking we're talking about first century Christ church, because we're not. We're talking about the kingdom of God, not an individual ministry. And so what I want you to see in the spirit and what God is trying to minister to you in this moment is that at every level of glory, we tend to repeat certain behaviors. We tend to repeat those behaviors because that's our MO whenever we feel insecure. Some of us, our MO when we don't feel when we feel insecure is to not go to church for a while. Some of us, when we start feeling insecure, just sort of tune out. We sometimes we're good at being there without really being there. Okay, we just tuned it out. Oop, I'm not ready to do that. No, 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 no. I know when I came to the Lord, I wasn't married, and, and I was having sex, and you're not supposed to be having sex if you're not married, and when I heard, well, you know, you got to have to get out of this tour, no, 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 not ready to do that, oh, no, 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 <laughs> right? And so at every level of glory, we got an M.O. for how we operate, and God knows the M.O., and God is faithful. It's amazing how faithful the blood of Jesus is. But we need to learn to how not to run. We got to learn how to stay in the process. We got to learn how to let go of what's behind, right? And press onward towards what's ahead. Not take ourselves too seriously, but take Jesus very seriously. See, when we take ourselves too seriously, that can get in the way of taking Jesus seriously. Because now we're comparing serious against serious and we got to choose. But if we don't take ourselves too seriously, oh, can't hang on to that no more. Jesus said, no, it's got to go. You cannot take to the kingdom of God like a little child. You're going to enter into it. But we're not coming in as a little child, right? We're coming in as an adult. So we got to be sanctified out of our carnal adulthood. we got to be sanctified out of it so that we can get to the child spirit so that we can receive God's spirit. Sometimes people get that confused. We're both a lion and a lamb. We're a lion to the world, but we're a lamb to God. You see that? We're a lion to the world, 
but we're a lamb of God. That's why he's the lion and the lamb. Jesus wasn't a lion to the to God and a lamb to the world. That's that's the devil's move to be a lion to God and to play the lamb with dragon's teeth to the world. But we are a lion and a lamb. We're a lamb to God and a lion to the world. And so as we start to look at this counting the cost sanctifying process, what are our Isaacs? What are the things we need to lay down? So for those of you who don't know the story of Isaac, Isaac um, was the son of Abraham, his only begotten son of Sarah, and he was um, uh, going to be the heir and going to be the future patriarch, the promised child, the child of his old age. And God told him to take him up on a hill and sacrifice him. And when he took him up on a hill to sacrifice him, God brought out a ram and said, no, don't touch the boy. Sacrifice the ram in his place. But now I know you will not withhold anything from me. And then God reaffirms his covenant with him to make him a patriarch. So a lot of times in the Christian realm, we use the term, what are your Isaacs? Meaning, what are the things that you cherish like Abraham cherished his son Isaac? What are your Isaacs? Are you prepared to sacrifice your Isaacs until God presents the ram in the thicket? Because God doesn't need your career or your job or your children or your wife or your kids or your husband. God doesn't need your car or your house. He doesn't need those things. But what he doesn't want is for them to be Isaacs in your life. Because anybody who does not love father, anybody who does not love me above father, mother, sister, brother, even his own life cannot be my disciple. Some of us, our Isaac is ourself. And even that has to be laid before the Lord in such a way so that God can show you that I am all sufficient in you. Because the spirit is everything and the flesh counts for nothing. Where are you giving flesh power? That's a place that God is working on. It may not be the place he's working on with you today, but that's a place he is always going to be working on you with because God searches your heart and he looks to see anything that is trying to exalt. We serve a jealous God. You know, I heard recently that one of the reasons why Oprah Winfrey no longer is involved in Christian activity is that one day she was in the Baptist church and the Baptist preacher made the comment that God is a jealous God. She said, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would God be jealous of me? I mean, if he's God, why would he be jealous of me? So that didn't make any sense to me. And that was one of the reasons why I started questioning Christianity. And I'm thinking this, no, no offense to her because no one's trying to offend her, but she's got, I don't know how much money is received. I don't know how many awards. It is believed to be such a brilliant person when it comes to social etiquette. I mean, she kind of started and pioneered a lot of this talk show host stuff. And she became this great talk show host and she could draw out certain points. And she, she was a social maven on television and elevated to this great place. And she's made, I don't know how much money. And she didn't know that God was saying he was jealous for you, not jealous of you. Really? I mean, what Bible school lesson didn't you attend? Because God is jealous for you, not of you. And what that means is that he's jealous for you, is that he's in your heart and he's in your mind. And he is looking to see, am I God to you? And if we're honest, we'd have to say yes and no. Yes, you're God to me more than you were God to me last year, but not as much a God to me as you'll be next year because I'm in process. And since God is a jealous God, he is immediately offended at anything that is operating within your mortal members that has been exalted above the knowledge of him. That's what he means when he says, I am a jealous God. Now, I'm a man and I have a wife. And I'm a jealous husband. And I remember one day we had a Bible study and there was this guy going around my wife, too much hee hee ha 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 in her face. I passed the first time and I looked at the corner of my eye and I kept on moving through the Bible study and I passed the second time and I'm like, okay, this conversation done went on a little too long. And I'm not jealous, like carnally jealous, but spiritually I was like, okay, this is out of order. <laughs> and I didn't say anything to him because he's a young disciple and doesn't know any better. 
And But I did say something to my wife later. I'm like, okay, that guy, I think he has feelings for you. So we need to watch how that's flowing. Because I'm a jealous husband. And I'm a wicked man with a sinful nature. So God, who's absolutely holy, being a jealous God, is going to have a whole lot more intensity. And some of this you might not be able to totally accept right now. It's like I can't totally process that right now. No worries. If you're going to be his disciple, he's going to sanctify you into that wisdom. I'm going to read this last scripture and I'm going to let you go. This scripture is a scripture that we also covered uh, yesterday, which I think is very powerful. Remember what we said. Sanctification is about moving you closer and closer to the throne of heaven. Think of it, the throne in heaven, like church in heaven. And when you're in church, right, the people who sit in the back tend to be the people that don't pay as much attention as the people who sit in the front. The further you are away from the altar, the less focus on the altar there is. Exclusive focus is in the first row, and it gets decreasing. It decreases all the way till you get to the back of the church. And in the back of the church, you could actually be on your cell phone practically because nobody's really paying too much attention. But if you're in the first row, everybody from the back can see you, and the intensity from the altar is that much stronger. So sanctification is about moving up to the front row. Okay? And so what's the front row? We're in Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door opened in heaven, and a voice I heard first speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone seated on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald, and encircled, encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the thrones came flashes of lightning, rumbling and peals of thunder before them, before the throne. Seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, and the second living creature was like an ox, and the third living creature had the face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Now, whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now, we believe that these beings were all sentient beings with the capacity to think and reason. And we all know that if we were sitting in a place and all we were saying all day long for all the years of our life, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And if all we did every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for all eternity is say, you are worthy, O Lord and our God, and to receive glory and honor and power for you've created all things and by you all things were created and have their being, that that might get boring after a while. But not if the wisdom and the righteousness and the glory that was coming before God was giving you ongoing, nonstop, revelation after revelation after revelation after revelation after revelation after revelation after revelation, so that before your mind could drift to think about anything else, you were overwhelmed by the presence of God. You were overwhelmed by the holiness of God. You were overwhelmed by the wisdom, the glory, the majesty, the love, the justice of God. And so they're so close to the throne that the pure glory of God, the infinite, never-ending glory of God comes off of them, comes off of, the, off of Jesus on the throne and hits them and it just lifts them into praise. Have you ever been hit with a praise? You just been hit with a praise? Imagine being hit with that praise to an ever-increasing glory over and over again Every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every year of your existence. 
That's what was happening to them. Before their mind could drift to anything else. Before my, their mind could drift to anything else. Bam, more glory. Before they could think about it, more glory. More glory. More glory. More glory. More glory. Well, that's where you're headed. So you might as well, I mean, since that's the direction you're going, <laughs> you might as well stop putting confidence in the flesh because all that's temporary. You might as well not be so concerned with temporal things. You'll be worshiping God day and night. Glory, 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 glory. Now, if that's the way I'm going to be living my life, why would I want to waste my time on something that doesn't have eternal dwellings in it? You say, that word's tough for me. And at every level of glory, it gets tough. I can't, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, because I don't think everybody understood this. When you gave your life to the Lord, I don't think everybody understood this. You're going to be, there's no arrival till Jesus comes. You're in destination process. You're, you're, you're on, you're en route. You're traveling till Jesus arrives. So you might as well enjoy the journey. We can't be like little children. We're on a five, we're on a 12 hour ride. We haven't been 10 minutes on the road. Are we there yet? There yet, son, we got another 11 hours and 50 minutes. <laughs> You better figure out something, pull out an iPad, pull out your cell phone, learn to enjoy the ride. Because we got a while before we get there. Some of us, we go and we join, we come into God. Are we there yet? That's like, you're going to live to 89 years old. <laughs> you might as well get your iPad, get your Bible out, your worship music out of something, because you're going to be here a while. We're on the road. The road to eternal life. So we put no confidence in the flesh. For the spirit is everything, and the flesh counts for nothing. Father Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your special name among men. We ask that you help us to get our priorities in order, my God. Help us to get our spiritual alignment and our spiritual priorities in order. Help us to come into that right submission, that right obedience, that right, that right brokenness in you, Father. We rebuke the fowler for your namesake. And we say unto Satan, may the Lord rebuke you, for it is the Lord alone that we must render sacred service. And may our sacred service be our holy submission. May our act of worship be our lives in obedience to you. Teach us and guide us into this perfect way, Lord. Order and direct our steps. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God say, Amen. 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 Praise God, saints. Have a great morning. <laughs> you all you too. All too.